0: Every day, we interact with people who are facing an obstacle in their life, and we have the opportunity to be empathetic and adjust to their needs for better communication and connection. The life story of Kathy's parents is an excellent example of this. We hope it's as inspiring to you as
1: it is to us.
2: Hello, my friends. I'm Kathy Rhodes. Thank you for joining me on another podcast episode. We're going to think differently again today. If you're watching on video though, you might notice I'm in a different location. I've got some equipment behind me. This is a big boom light that isn't turned on yet. I'm going to be interviewing a fabulous couple. So we're going to think differently today about how we connect with people. Did you know that 87% of our financial success is based on how we connect with our audience? That's anybody we talk to. How do we connect with them? How do we, how do we embrace who they are right so today we're going to be talking to my mom and my dad russ and marianne miro we're going to talk to them because my mom was born with a hearing deficiency you'd never really know it until you get to know her now this is the issue if we could call it that within her body but it definitely does not label her and she's never used it as a label but it does mean that I need to I need to talk differently, I need to act differently. I need to do things a little differently to truly connect with her, otherwise she she might not hear it. She might not understand it. You know, sometimes in this world, we um we think we think like we're normal, right? or or we're 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 just we're just us. There's nobody like us, nobody. So whether it's a diagnosed impairment of some sort. I mean, I usually wear glasses. That's, a, that's an eyesight impairment. Whether it's diagnosed or not, we still need to learn how to talk the language of other people. So why not learn what it's like for them? What it's like in their world? What are their frustrations? And then we're going to talk to my dad as well because they've been married for 51 years. So he's obviously learned some little tips and tricks probably that he doesn't even realize because they're they're just a part of the relationship. So whether you know somebody who's hearing impaired or not, enjoy enjoy this episode. Enjoy learning what it's like to be be in my mom's world of of her hearing impairment but also in my dad's world as a supporter, as someone who who lives with the the diagnosis, but yet like I said before, it doesn't define them. It's just part of who we are. It's just our life. Enjoy. Okay, so mom, I want I want you to start by sharing your adventure in life. Share your story about about your hearing.
0: Okay. Well, they they know now that I was born with the hearing loss, but they didn't find it until I was 11 years old, and I had two audiologists say that it was because I lived in a family where. I was born when we didn't have a lot of TV so they didn't see you know that I would turn up the volume and all that and the the first audiologist said there had to be somebody in the family that was hard of hearing that everybody was adapting to which we figured out now it was my mother's mother who had come over from Yugoslavia but only spoke Slovenian so of course we didn't have a lot of conversation with her well I I credit my parents where they always, my sister is 11 years younger than me. So I grew up with not having a sibling for 11 years and my, and after, you know, they always treated me like they did my sister. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't the handicapped child or anything. And um, when they found out when I was 11 years old that I I definitely had a hearing problem, um, my parents did everything they could to help me. They uh, purchased a hearing aid um, which was quite expensive to them in those days and they always said well Mary Ann has a mild hearing loss corrected with a hearing aid. So I always thought mild isn't bad, corrected is good so I can do anything I want. And my father always said you know how are you gonna make, how are you gonna find out how to do it? So over the years yeah I had the adjustment problems when I was younger and they figured out later on that I learned to read lips at the same time I learned to talk. (laughs) So there was a lot of embarrassing things that people didn't know. Like my parents would always mouth out what they got me for Christmas and I always knew what I was getting for Christmas. (laughs)
2: Seriously? Because,
0: yeah, because you know, it was like they were mouthing the, the words, but to me that was hearing it And I can remember watching a football game with my dad and all of a sudden I, oh my gosh, did you hear what he said? To me, I heard it, but I read his lips. And my dad said, well, I want to know what the next play is, you know. (laughs) So he would make me sit in front of the TV with him and I would tell him that was before the coach would put the, you know, the play card in front of his mouth and stuff like this. And there were times when, as I was growing up, that like when I was, I was going to nursing school and I was in surgery with one of the doctors and my battery went dead. And at that time I was only wearing one hearing aid because that was the technology at that time. And um, you know, the doctor was very accommodating. Um, What can I do to help you? And so I always had people along the way doing what they could to help me. It was probably when I was a freshman in college when the Dean of Nursing in Eau Claire said, you can't continue in nursing because of your hearing loss. Well, I had no problems as a CNA. I was doing blood pressures. I was doing things that they thought that I wouldn't be able to do. And that was when I went down to Milwaukee and the Dean in in Milwaukee said, well, no, we. You're part of that 10% minority. We have to accommodate you. Well, I didn't need any accommodations, and that was when I developed the attitude of a handicap handicaps you as much as you allow it.
2: Okay, you, hold on. Let's back way up. You were 11 mm-hmm. when they figured it out. Did they do hearing tests in school like before the, yeah. the age of 11?
0: Mm-hmm. When when I was. I was in fifth grade and the teacher noticed that I wasn't answering correctly. I was answering kind of bizarre when you know they had oral tests, but on the written exams, I would always do well. And she she mentioned this to my parents. So my parents had me tested at that time. They said that I had a lot of fluid in my ears. So they did what they call a myringotomy and they took out my tonsils and adenoids. And then when the doctor followed up, like a couple months later, he said, no, she really has a hearing loss. And he said, but he said, our records from the city show that in third grade, she had perfect hearing. And I said, oh, you mean that test where we had to go down to the library and we were waiting in line to get tested. And before we went down there, the, the teacher had said, well, you're, it's a very important test. And if you don't pass this test, you're gonna go, to have to go to a, a facility away from your parents. <laughs> well, what third grader wants to go to someplace away from their parents? So we're standing there and of course there's windows along where we were standing. And I saw that the little boy and girl, whenever the tester would click the dial, they would raise their hand. So the hearing that I had, I could hear those clicks so every time I heard the click, I'd raise my hand. So I had perfect hearing.
2: Okay, hold on. You could hear the click, but you couldn't hear the tone that the click right. was causing.
0: Right, where Is, they have okay. the, um, the sound that you're supposed to respond to. Okay. So I could hear that little click, click, click because this was in the age where there wasn't a lot of insulation in this little library. Well, then the, the, the doctor that I had told this to, he said, oh, wait a minute, he said, this is something that we have to look at. He was on the committee of the city where they were starting to test all these kids this is This was back in probably oh gosh, probably the the late fifties where they started recognizing that certain kids had had a problem with hearing and he said, first of all, there shouldn't have been a window where she where the child could look, and that was when they started developing the Soundproof booths to, to, to do the testing of the hearing, and so he 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 was the right he was the right doctor to for me to tell him to, this. But it was like I
2: I I played the system. system. You You were yeah. you were told you'd go away. You said, yeah. "Oh, I yeah. don't want to go away, so I'm going to mm-hmm. figure out how to pass." That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Okay, and so hold on. Go also. I think it was before you were diagnosed. Um, the the school supply story. I love this story. Tell about the school supplies that you made your mom look all over town for.
0: When I was in first grade, um, the teacher had said, we need we need some supplies. Well, I went home and I said to my parents, Sister Christine told us we need two luby blue blue pencils. My parents went all over the city looking for luby blue blue pencils. And finally my mom called the teacher and said, I don't know where you get these Luby blue blue pencils. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. All I told the kids is you need two number two pencils. And I said, you know, it was years, years later I said to my mom, You should have known I had a problem then. You know. Right. So it just it was, you know, kind of a funny story, but
2: <laughs> but there were so many clues, clues through yeah, the years. Yeah, but yeah. you didn't I mean you didn't know. Well think back of it, then right? they
0: didn't, you know and I can remember my, my, my one uncle, he he wanted, he was, I found out later in life that he had quite a bit of, of um, money built up and savings and stuff like this. And he wanted to send me to a, it would have been a state school. And my parents didn't want me to go, you know, to, to go away to school. And they they found out that if I would have went with the um i i, I want to say the um, the things that they would have given me, it would have been a hearing aid that would have been a box that I would wear around my my neck and then all these wires going well, my parents wanted me to have something more discreet so i wouldn't I wouldn't feel odd, and so they got the hearing aid behind the ear, which now I look at it and it's like okay they didn't want me to be kind of a a standout in in the group but at the same time I was not completely accepting this because I could do well if I sat in the front of the class Mm -hmm. and I could read the lips but I didn't realize that this is what I was doing and there was a lot of times that I would and I, I purposely break my hearing aids so that I didn't have to wear them. Oh. We have the desks that went up and down and sometimes I would take the hearing aid and I'd just kind of put it and just enough to crack it. <laughs> so, you know, it was years later that, that I said something to my dad about that and he goes, yeah, he said, I, c- I caught on to that cr- quite quickly. He said, but he said, I just wanted you to learn on your own. He said that, yeah, it was he said, most of the time, the, 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 uh, I didn't break the insides, but I just cracked the... the, the
2: like the casing of the it. The casing,
0: yeah. And he said, so it was, yeah, he said, I knew you had to learn on your own. It's like, oh, thank That's you, thank you, thank you, Dad. But they always, you know, and that was, you know, back in the years where not many people wore hearing aids, but, you know, over the years, I can remember shortly after I got out of nursing school, I was, I was working and I overheard um, a, f- a husband talking to his wife and he was screaming at her. Of course, I had a hearing aid and so I could hear everything. And um, he was screaming at her. He said, you, you, you have to get your hearing tested. You need a hearing, you need a hearing aid. And she, she screamed at him, I'm too young for a hearing aid. Well, I went and talked to her a little while later after I was done with the patient that... I had been taken care of. And I said, oh, I said, you know, and I took off my hearing aid and I said, do you think I'm too young to have a hearing aid? I said, I've had it since I was 11 years old. And I put it back on, but I said, I'm selfish. I want to I wanna hear what's going on. I said, so I, you know, I wear my hearing aid because I want to hear. And it was the next day that the husband, you know, um, Saw me in the hall and he said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He said after you left My wife looked at me and said, well, I'm a little older than her And if she's adapting and he said somebody's coming today (laughs) to check her hearing and um, And he said he said, do you know how many years we've tried to convince her? He said, but she kept saying I'm too young I'm too young. He said and here you showed her that yeah, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter, you have to look what you need.
2: Okay, so back up to when you were 11 though, and when you were breaking your hearing aids, because <laughs> you didn't want to wear them, what was the stigma to having a hearing loss back then?
0: Um, the stigma was, it was probably more than I realized, because you were different, and I think I fought that. Um, I can remember, like in my younger, younger grades, I was very, very quiet. Well, I became more of a, like a, a spokesperson where I was more outgoing and I would, I would use my hearing loss to my advantage. Like when I was in eighth grade, um, I can remember the, 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 the teacher always, because I was tall, they always put me in the back of the class. And then of course, I. I couldn't hear because <laughs> because I wasn't wearing my hearing aid. And, um, you know, and, and it, but I was reading lips and I was doing okay. But then when I did have my, I realized that, well, if you put your hearing aid in, you can hear more. And then I would make my hearing aid at that time, if you put your hand in front of your hearing aid, it would go beep, 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 beep. Well, this was a loud enough beep that I was playing games with it. I'd go beep, 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 beep. <laughs> well, the... the the, the kids around me, they would, they would egg me on, egg me on. And, um, you know, at one point, the, the, the teacher was so frustrated by where is this beeping coming from, that she left the classroom and we got a sub that day. Well, the, the guys around me, they, hey, you know, we got her, we got her, we got her, we got her. So I was, I was kind of not becoming the class clown, but I was using it to be more um, to fit into it, mm, to fit into sure. the, the group in that. And then it was when I was in, uh, in college, my freshman year in college was probably monumental because that was when the dean challenged me and I was going to prove that I could do this. Mm. And at that time, the, the one doctor that she sent me to, he said, there's no reason why she should keep you out of nursing. He said, there's so many different areas of nursing that you can go into. He said, you might not, wor- not want to work in pediatrics where there's a lot of you know, kids crying and stuff like this, which I did. He said, you might not want to work in OB because they have masks during the deliveries and that, which I did. <laughs> and, they, and he said, you might not want to work in, in surgery which I did. <laughs> of <So> course, <laughs> it was like you know, like my dad always said, you know, how are you going to make this happen? You know, it's like this is the challenge, and you have to find a solution.
2: So your challenge—that's so interesting because your challenge in life almost helped create all your successes. Mm-hmm. It gave you that exactly. attitude.
0: And and I think it was. Um, not really an attitude, but a fight you're right where you're right I was going to prove that I could do it, and in fact, at, at one point when I was working in this small community hospital, and um, there was there was two nurses that I worked with that they obviously had a hearing problem well i would I would challenge them, you know here's a card, this is the audiologist that I go to, and you know this has helped me well and they were having trouble hearing blood pressures. Well, I never had the problems because my original hearing loss, I had the high and low frequencies that I was really above normal. So sometimes I could hear things that other people couldn't hear.
2: Talk about that. that, that there's a name for that, isn't there? Like, is it a cookie?
0: Oh, I have a cookie bite. Yeah, I've got a cookie bite hearing loss, which means that if you would take a piece of paper and just bite into it and the cookie mm-hmm. cut, so my hearing loss was in the um, speaking and, you know, conversation, general the conversation, normal the normal tones. Okay. So I had high and low frequency, so I was able to hear all the monitors. I was able to hear blood pressures. In fact, when these two nurses, they, they whenever I'd work with them, they'd say, I can't hear so-and-so's blood pressure. And I would go in there and say, like boom, boom, boom. It's like, no, it's, it's normal and stuff like this. But I said, you need to have this checked out. And kind of encouraged, one of them did go and got a hearing aid, and she goes, oh, I can't believe how much better I can hear now. Well, yeah, seen is believing, hearing is believing.
2: Okay, so earlier you, said, you made a comment, I think, I think your dad may have said it to you as well, is your handicap label only takes you where you allow it to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Talk, talk a little bit about, more about that. How did that motivate you?
0: Um, there were certain things that I wanted to do. And one of them was I wanted to succeed in my nursing career. So it was like, what do I need to, to do that? Mm-hmm. And um, there was my, my audiologist that I had seen after we moved up to um, th- this area, um, she had said that she had two patients that had more hearing than I did and were on total disability. And she wanted and she said, "I wish I could, I could connect them with you, that you could talk to them." And, and I said, "Oh, any anytime." And she said, "Well, I've already mentioned it to them, and they, they refuse. They don't want to correct anything." And I said to her, "Well, the difference is, I wanted to correct it. Right. So I appreciate the technology. There's been different times when I got a new hearing aid that, you know, they would say, "Well, you have a choice of, of two different hearing aids. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, these are the only two that are strong enough for you. And I said, well, what's next? And she said, well, probably a cochlear implant. And I said, oh no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and um, I said, they'll find something. And it was six months later this time, my audiologist sent me a little letter and said, yeah, you were right, Marianne. there is two more hearing aids out there that are you know, geared for you. So it was like, I appreciated my parents treating me no differently than my sister or my cousins and stuff like this. So in the family growing up, I never felt um, that I was special or underprivileged or anything like this because they always do. And then the technology always kept up with me. And and so it just, and sometimes I use it to my advantage. Like if we're in a, I can remember one time I was in church with my husband and there was this crying, crying, crying you know, misbehaving child in back of us, well, I just turned, at that time I had a hearing aids that had a, um, where you could cut down the, 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 the sound in back of you, and I cut it down, and I heard everything that the pastor was saying, and it was, it was a good sermon, and I really appreciated it, and on the way home, my husband said, oh, that crying baby, and I said, oh, I said, I you know, I did this and I turned I, it I, off. I turned I turned <laughs> off that, you know. So I appreciated and used the technology that I that I was given. Wow. And and that was I think determination.
2: That's an attitude, right? I mean that's yeah. totally yeah. totally an attitude. So one thing about you, mom, is unless we know you, you don't know you have a hearing loss because you don't have a speech difference, you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't show your hearing aids either. You have always cover, used your hair mm-hmm. to cover it. Is that, why? Why is that not, if you have such a serious hearing loss, why, especially your speech, why is that not affected? Well,
0: um, two of the audiologists that I've seen in the past have said that because I learned to lip read at the same time I learned to talk, and because as I was growing up, there were people in my family that were talking loud enough for me to pick it up. And the one audiologist said, I think you were just spunky enough that if you didn't understand something, you adapted, you looked right at them or you got closer. Um, And yeah, they said with the amount of hearing that that I have lost, I should have a severe speech impediment. And so they said, well, we can't really explain it completely because every person is different you know, we've seen, this one audiologist said, that's when she said, I, I've seen people that are on total disability. She said, you would be eligible for total disability. And wow. I said, but I do fine. I've, I've had a 50 some year career in nursing. Um, you know, it, it just, it was like- We will do
2: what we wanna do.
0: And, and like my dad always, always said, how are you gonna fix this? How mm-hmm. are you gonna do this? Well. I found a way.
2: Okay, so now let's fast forward to your dating years <laughs> when Mr. Russell comes into play. Did, how, did you know, because you guys were a blind date, so dad, did you know that you were walking into a, a deaf person's <laughs> world?
1: I don't remember thinking that. Um, I probably found that out after the first date, maybe the second date, I don't know. I don't recall that. So, so All I remember is that we, we went out on a date and we communicated well, and it just proceeded from there.
2: Through the years, how, how have you found yourself adapting to the, the hearing loss? Have you found yourself doing anything special to accommodate well, the conversation? The only
1: thing that would be special is that if we're talking and, and either one of us gets up and walks out of the room, you might as well just be quiet because you're not (laughs) going to be heard. So I try to either talk louder or make sure that she's coming towards me, uh, that she can hear what I'm saying. If she's walking away, then I just shut up.
2: (laughs) Because she can't hear it (laughs) anyway. She's not going to hear it, right. Right, okay, so here's the irony of the world, right? This cookie bite, you said, is... Hereditary. Mm-hmm. You got it from your grandmother. Your mm-hmm. parents did not have it, or it wasn't diagnosed.
0: It wasn't diagnosed, um, and there was there was it, at one point, my one audiologist wanted to. She wanted to test all of the people in my family: my mother, my father, my sister, um, and and our and, and our kids. And that well, I had both of you and Rob tested, and Rob had where I dipped and stayed down, he dipped and came right back up. So she said, at some point this may, when he's like 70, 80 years old, it might be a problem. And you had, you know, it was fine. Um, but my, at that time, my mother, ref- you know, she said, oh yeah, we'll get tested, we'll get tested. But my dad said, no way, because my mother had made the comment I know, Donnie, it's because your mother can't hear. It's because your mother had a hearing problem, which I don't remember my dad's mother ever having You know any problems of hearing. Um, and so my dad just kind of put his back up, and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, it was years later that um, the one audiologist that I went to, I have this little little dimple in my, the side of my ear. They call it an incomplete sinus. And she, she said, This is very indicative to your hearing loss. Well, my mother's mother had the same thing because we used to always say, Well, we have an extra hole in our head, you know. <laughs> you know, so So we they're would, thinking
2: that's related. To yeah. The hearing so loss. that's why
0: she said that would be, you know, um my dad had a hearing loss that was from um where they didn't have noise protection in the machine shop. And oh, sure. And his was a completely total well, he was like, I think 76 or 77 before he went for a hearing aid, and his was totally different from from my loss.
2: Does Rob have a dimple in his ear? No. No, but yeah, he has it. So now we're going to fast forward many years. You guys are now married. You've got kids. And Dad, you have a cookie bite loss. And you're not even... Related. related Blood-related to her, (laughs) right? Right. This is a rare hearing loss. And here we are in the same family, what have you learned? Because you you didn't grow up like mom did, this was just part of her life. What have you learned just with that same type of loss?
1: I learned that I can hear better at times depending on who the person is and the voice that they have. If there's a voice that has a little bit higher pitch, mostly female, I can hear them. A male may have more of a deeper voice and depending on if it's deep, I might be able, a strong, deep voice, I might hear, but if somebody's got that middle range, I don't hear that.
2: With your hearing aid, do you?
1: Well, with my hearing aids, I do, but without them. So I I can watch TV but the volume goes up
3: Without if I don't
1: have the aids in. If I have the aids in, I can turn the volume down two or three notches.
2: Are you more empathetic towards mom now?
1: Probably, because I, I, if we're talking and, and one of us disappears out of the room, I stop talking because I know she's not gonna hear me.
2: Right. I remember I, just recently, I, I mean, I've lived I always thought you were the best hearing deaf person around (laughs) because you heard everything. But just recently we were in the kitchen at your house and I had to repeat. And and you said, you said, you know, you did turn away. You turned toward the stove and finished the conversation. She's not going to hear it. You still do read lips. Mm -hmm. You know, just little things like that that you just don't think about. You think Mm -hmm. if something comes out of my voice, everyone hears it. not
1: the case. case. Yeah, it works better when you're facing the person. Uh, It may be twofold because first of all, she can read your lips if she's still, you know, and, and I know she can still do that. Or, and she's, you're talking directly at her so she can hear you. But like you mentioned, the minute she turns her back, she may not hear you. Right. Or if I turn away.
2: So sometimes in this world, people don't get the hearing aids. They don't get the devices that they need to truly have good hearing. What do you recommend?
1: Well, I remember not that many years ago before I had hearing aids. I I could hear everything, and I didn't think I needed hearing aids. But I knew that being on the phone a lot during a day, it wasn't that I wasn't hearing, but the the voices had to be a little louder mm-hmm. because uh, the right side, or the I'm sorry, the left side, is where I answer the phone a lot, and that's the ear that is probably uh, more of less hearing mm-hmm. than the le- the right side. So finally, sh- I relented. <laughs> and when and got tested, and found out that I had a cookie bite.
2: What took you so long? Why did you finally relent?
1: Well, like I said, I didn't really, I was hearing a lot. Yeah. I didn't think I really needed it. But I found out that it made a lot of difference having hearing aids. And it's not, what's the word I'm looking for, the, 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 the vainness of it all, or whatever of exposed hearing aids. I've talked to a lot of people uh, that are our age, my age or whatever, that have gotten hearing aids in the last three or four or five years. And I've been talking to other people. I, I got a, a friend that's on one of my one of the boards that I sit on. He can't hear at the meetings and we're sitting around the table like this. And I, I've given them information as far as our hearing specialists. Uh, I haven't talked to them recently about it, but um, who, there was others too that, that, you know, they're they're up in age, you know, so you know, you probably figure that their hearing is going on them a little bit.
2: It's almost more socially acceptable now. Yeah, and, I think so. And yeah. the hearing aids are almost hidden. Yeah. Like you can't see them like the old yeah. fashioned kind.
1: There well, some of these hearing aids nowadays is, they're not hardly any bigger than a pee and you stick the whole thing right in your ear, and, and it's nothing like what either one of us are wearing, where we have it behind the ear.
0: Right. Well, there was a there was an incident where there was a, a, this one mission group that I belonged to, and there was a 92 year old woman that you know she was obviously, you know, very hearing impaired, and all that, and there was she wasn't at one of the meetings, and they were all talking about, it, and I said wait a minute, I said, you know, you know, she's 92 years old, she is functioning well, but what we can do is look directly at her, make sure that she's connected, that she knows you're talking to her. You know, don't raise your voice to a squeaky, screechy um, caliber, but just talk slower and lower, and she'll be able to hear well. And I had two of the ladies in the group, um, weeks later, said, oh yeah, you're right. It does help, you know, um, she's, she's much, much more in tuned and she's picking up better. And I said, at 92, you can't change her. So let's, let's change what we're doing.
2: Ooh, there's a lesson right there. Let's, let's us adapt to mm-hmm. better connect with people. You know, okay, so you mentioned earlier both rob my brother and i we've been tested and rob has a little bit and i didn't well i do now so maybe maybe my diagnosis is coming more from dad's and it's happening Mm -hmm. later in life but something that i've definitely recognized too is please don't mumble
0: exactly Mm -hmm. please Mm -hmm. don't mumble very enunciate better when my dad first got his hearing aid um he he was frustrated because It didn't completely 100% increase what he could hear. And I said, but Dad, look at the people that you're not hearing. At that time there was a um, a, a, a priest in the church that mumbled a lot. And I said, let's go sit, you know, and I was taking him to church, like whenever I would come to Sheboygan. And I said, let's sit closer to the front. And, And I said, and maybe when you, when you meet with him at some of the meetings at church, mention to him that, you know, I'm having trouble. If you could just slow down and not go talk so fast. And he said, yeah, that's it. They talk too fast. Mm. And he did, he did mention to the priest and the priest slowed down. He used the lower tone. And that's one thing that when people, when people are in, in the situation where they're trying to talk to somebody that is hard at hearing. And when they don't hear them, the first thing they do is they raise their voice. Right. And that's when it gets well, to Well, they wanna screech- get the point across yeah. to
1: you and make sure that you understand. And so they get louder.
0: And they, and they get screechier, which is what dad had mentioned. And you know what I've tried to tell people, and even in the hospital set- setting where I've you know, you know, worked for all these years, I would mention this two families, and I can remember one patient, and after the family left the room, he leaned over and he said, oh, thank you, I've been telling them for years to do what you just said. He said, and I think they're finally going to listen to you because you're a professional. <laughs> and I said, no, I said, I'm not a professional. And I took my hearing aid out. I said, I walk the talk. Uh, I said, this is, this is what I, I, I said, I live this every day. He goes, oh, wow, you know? So to share your disability and how you're adapting with others has helped a lot in the, in the, in the, in the past.
2: Okay, so I love this because there are so many takeaways that we can do mm-hmm. to better communicate and connect with people who might have a hearing loss. Don't mumble, enunciate, face them head on, mm. look them in the eyes, slow down a little bit but also one of my big takeaways is how powerful our mindset is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, how powerful it is to just have that made up mind that I'm not going to let this handicap define me. Mm-hmm. It's just like wearing glasses. It helps. I can mm-hmm. see better. Let's just put a hearing aid in. Mm-hmm. I have not gone and ever gotten a hearing aid, but maybe it's time, maybe the volume of the TV is telling us it's time. So I'm no different than the rest of the world that might need the extra assistance. But I love, I love your mindset and I love your attitude of, of figuring it out and conquering it in the world. So thanks for giving me that, Jean. I'm sorry for all those times when I would get irritated because you didn't hear me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I probably still will get irritated, but... Thank you, because it's just helping me better connect as well and creating those habits. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Hello, my friends. What did you think of that interview with my mom and dad? There's so many little takeaways. So John was in the back scenes, and he was doing all my technology, and he has, you have really good observations. Thank you. You know, when you're, when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're in the conversation, it's so intriguing to me yeah. to hear what you were observing. So, so give me something. What was it that you were taking away from this interview?
3: Well, I thought it was really neat how you brought your mom and dad in um, to look at effective communication in a unique way that we deal with every day. You know, some people have some challenges that we need to be mindful of. In this case, we were talking about impairments, um, some, some obstacles that are in front of people. But every day that mm-hmm. we communicate with someone, there is an obstacle. It may not be a physical impairment or whatever it is, but what an intriguing and great message of this podcast because it, it really does affect our success.
2: It does. Okay, hold on, back up. What affects our success?
3: The inability to effectively communicate as heard by the listener, because truly the listener determines effective communication. Mm. But that's not top of mind to us. We think, I can't be any more articulate than I'm already doing, Hmm. or I've told you four times what to do and you still haven't done it. That's not effective communication because the speaker doesn't get to have that opportunity. You had a unique way of showing that today in your interview specifically with your mom, but then also to bring your dad in on, okay, Russ, how do you navigate that? And I thought it was very intriguing.
2: You know, one thing they both faced in their life is it's always been there. The hearing deficiency's always been there. Mom had it since she was born, didn't even realize it, figured out life. Dad had it since the first day he met my mom. This has always been there, so you do. You just, you figure it out. Now, how many times do we have deficiencies? Maybe they're not defined or diagnosed, but they are affecting uh, how well we do connect. And we get frustrated, and I know I write people off, when just understanding their world a little differently might be, might be extremely valuable for the connection.
3: And not to be dramatic, but in every single interaction we have, this should be top of mind. Now I'm gonna be kind of goofy in this example here, Um, but just the ability to communicate with my dogs. One is very skittish. And if I speak to that dog too direct or too loud, it cowers and I, I never abused it before or anything like that, but it, the tail goes between its legs and he runs off into a corner. Like he's been some type of bad boy. Yeah. And that's just by my tonality. And I don't mean it And my goodness. I don't mean to be mean, but here's the learning principle here. We judge ourselves and our communication by our intentions. Ooh. Yet we judge others by their results. Uh. And that's an incongruency and that's not fair. It's, it's, we're judging people differently. We're judging ourselves differently. We really have to look at communication, effective communication through the eyes of our listener. And I think that's what you did mm-hmm. so well today. Oh,
2: thanks. I, after the cameras were shut off, I apologize to my mom because I haven't been too tolerant over the years of, of having to repeat myself. But you know what? There, there's, there's a level of um, understanding in that as well okay, we're enlightened today, we see things differently. Are we gonna be better right away? No, Mm. (laughs) because we have some really bad habits. We have some really bad habits of expecting people to cater to our style and expecting people to always understand how we're thinking and what we're intending. And there's some really bad habits that we need to work on, that I need to work on.
3: And so realize that effective communication isn't a finish line that we're gonna cross and say, I got this unlocked. Yeah. I've got this figured out. Mm-mm. Every single interaction we have, we need to be mindful of it and not be the best, but be a little better. Mm. And I think what you talked about in your podcast today really helps us at least at least helps me uh, be, have a mindset of speak with the listener in mind.
2: That's right. That's right. We could go on and on about this. Yeah. This is good stuff, yeah. right? Any other top takeaways
3: that you received. I'm. I I have all the kudos in the world for both your mom and your dad. I don't think I could navigate the way your mom has, mm-hmm. and the as successful as she has. Um, she made a comment, and it was indirect, but her deafness or lack of hearing has never defined who she was. That's right. And she's wants to succeed, and that's that. That's just very It's impressive. almost
2: driven her. It's yes. dri- That has helped drive her to her success. Shout out so. to
3: Marianne. Very good.
2: So again, Mom and Dad, thank you. Thanks for letting me ask you, and thanks for letting us share with everybody else. So for me, maybe for you, as we say goodbye for today, I have a lot of work to do, and I have a lot of reflection to do so that I can be better. We all do. All right. Thank you, friends. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I hope this topic has challenged you in thinking differently as you strive to grow from success to world-class. Please follow this podcast, share it with your friends, and follow me and Unity Consulting on all social platforms. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and our websites, unityconsultingllc.com and kathyrotes.com. Just make sure to spell my name right. I look forward to connecting with you next time to challenge your habits so that you are more efficient and fully empowered.